Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. This morning, because of what we will do on the 1st of September, how many of you know what we're going to be doing on that Sunday? No. We're going to be appointing elders. And I'm going to hand over, officially, though Michael has been pastoring the church for the last five years, he was, both Michael and Helen, in a transition period. We're going to make it official and give him the shepherd's rod. That doesn't mean I'm going to go away. I'm still going to be here. And there are some of you who have known me as your spiritual dad. I will continue to function in that role. A spiritual father you cannot replace, just like a natural father you cannot replace. Amen? And because of that, I've decided to teach you this morning on the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. I don't know how many of you understand the role of a shepherd and how many of you are clear about your relationship and your responsibility towards your shepherds. And that is why I want to take this time to teach on the different roles and the different functions of this relationship between the shepherd and his flock. The New Testament uses several words to describe the ministry of what is commonly called the pastor. For me, that translation is wrong because in every other place in the New Testament, translating the word pastor from the Greek original language that the New Testament was written in to the English language is translated as shepherd, elder, overseer, or bishop. All of these words speak of the same person, the same ministry. The only place that this word was translated as pastor is recorded in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. The only place. In every other place, it is translated as overseers, elders, bishops, shepherds. Amen? So when we speak about an overseer, we're speaking about the same person. When we are speaking about a shepherd, we're speaking about the same person, the same ministry. Amen? And it is interesting also to note that wherever we find this ministry in the New Testament, it speaks of a plurality of elders, never one single elder. The elders of the church at Ephesus, when Paul and Barnabas appointed leadership in the local churches, they established it is referred to as appointed elders in every church. 
plural. Not one, but more than one. Of course, it depends on the size of the congregation, because one shepherd cannot shepherd the entire church, especially if it's a large church. Actually, I don't believe that a one single shepherd can shepherd and take care of more than 15 to 20 people. Hello? I, it's, it's, that's why these mega churches, they need to have many, many, many shepherds. I believe that every cell group leader should be in the ministry of a shepherd, not a babysitter but a person who knows his sheep intimately and walks with them and prays for them and cares for them. Amen? That's the shepherd. So the New Testament always, when it speaks of shepherds or elders, it's plurality of elders or plurality of overseers. God's government in the local church, how many of you, know that the church has a government. Amen? God's government in the local assembly is represented by a plurality of elders. And the qualifications of elders are recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You need to go and study that. Not everybody is qualified. They have to be certain types of people called by God, anointed by God, and most of those characteristics that qualify a shepherd or an elder or a bishop or an overseer has to do with character traits, not gifting, but character. They have to be men of integrity, above reproach, having a good testimony among the unbelievers. Amen? So within the plurality of elders, usually there is a set man, what we call, or a senior elder who leads the group of elders. In this house, we will have three couples as elders, Michael and Helen, Stephen and Nicole, and my wife and I. The only thing that's going to be different is I'm going to hand over the set man or the ministry of the, um, how can I put it? Can you help me, Michael, please? <laughs> it will be the set man. But I will be there along with him and continue to give apostolic oversight to the elders of this church and to the church. Now, what we will look at this morning is examine closely the relationship between shepherds and the congregations. We will look at the God-given functions and responsibilities of the shepherd towards God's people but we will also look at the responsibilities of the flock towards their shepherds. You see, in any relationship, you will always encounter a two-way responsibility. It's like a covenant relationship. Just like a husband and a wife or a parent and a child relationship, 
The husband has responsibilities toward his wife. The wife has responsibilities toward the husband. Amen? The parents have a certain responsibility towards their children. The Word of God teaches how to parent a child. But also children have a certain responsibility towards their parents. In an employer-employee relationship, you have a two-way responsibility. An employer has responsibilities towards his employees. Treat them fairly. Give them the, the right wage. Don't abuse your laborers. And also employees have a God-given responsibility toward their employers. Amen? And so we are not only accountable to God. Some people think that we are only accountable to God. No, we are accountable to one another in any God-given relationship that we have. And so, as each party fulfills their responsibilities toward each other, not out of duty, but out of genuine love and respect for one another, we will have relationships that are richly satisfying and fulfilling. Would you say amen to that? When you have a beautiful relationship of a husband and a wife, and each one understands their role and their responsibilities, and they treat one another with respect, with love, you have a beautiful marriage relationship. Amen? So, God the Father has designed relationships to be a channel of blessing. Amen? A channel of strength and comfort. Yet in many cases... What was meant to be as a channel of blessing, it's a source of frustration and pain. One area that the enemy attacks more than any other area in our lives is the area of your relationships. They can cause a great deal of pain when we don't know how to properly and scripturally relate to one another. Henceforth, this teaching. So, even so the shepherd, in many cases what happens is we either reverse our roles or abdicate altogether our responsibilities. People don't want to live with responsibilities today. And that's why many couples choose to live together, not get married, not get locked into a covenant. Anytime it doesn't suit me, I can walk out of that. Amen. Hello, are you here with me? Please say amen and stand up sometimes and let me know you're alive, you're here. You're not going to sleep on me. So, even so the shepherd and sheep relationship, the shepherd has responsibilities toward his sheep and the sheep have responsibilities towards their shepherds. Now, let's look at the shepherd's function and the shepherd's responsibilities towards the congregation. According to the Word of God, first of all, let's define the ministry of the shepherd. In the Greek language, the shepherd is called bimenas. Bimenas is a person who takes care of the flock, of the sheep. So, in Ephesians chapter 4, the ministry and function of the shepherd is one of the five ministry gifts to the church 
for the purpose of equipping the saints for works of service. There are five ministries listed in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read what Ephesians chapter 4 says in verse 10 through to 14. Can you put it up, please? Let's read together. He who descended, that is Christ, is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Nobody can make you an apostle or a shepherd or a teacher or an evangelist. It is God's gift that he gives to men in order to equip his church and bring the church to a place of maturity. He says, that is Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. That's the only place that is translated as pastor instead of a shepherd. And teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So the gift ministry of the shepherd working together with the other four ministry gifts, will bring the body of Christ to a place of stability and maturity. In other words, they are here to help you grow and develop spiritually so that you reach a place where you become rooted and grounded in the Lord and you are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that goes around. That is the sign of a spiritual and mature person. He's not moved by every doctrine that goes around. There are many doctrines, false teachings, deception going around. It is the ministry and the calling of this ministry gifts to help you mature and grow and develop spiritually. Now, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is a unique one. Why do I say that? Because the shepherd is the only ministry gift out of all the other ministries who walks among the sheep and knows them intimately. I want you to get that. It is the only ministry gift that walks among the sheep and knows each one of them intimately and personally. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Look at that verse. He's talking to a shepherd. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. I, I don't know how many times I've brought this verse of Scripture to Michael's attention. Be diligent. You need to know where each and every member of your flock is. Amen? Spiritually speaking. You need to know them. You need to get to know them intimately, where they are, the struggles, the problems they face. Amen? 
and attend to your herds. Jesus said in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. Know my sheep. And I am known of mine, Jesus said. That is truly the ministry of a shepherd. And all shepherds are under shepherds of the great shepherd of the sheep. Amen? So the ministry of the shepherd is God's gift to his people. And I say this, every born-again believer needs a shepherd. Even shepherds need a shepherd, because that's what an apostle is. An apostle ministers to the shepherds, to the pastors. All of us need a shepherd. We need to know who are the people whom God has given the responsibility to care for you. Why do I say that? You need to know who to run to when you're in trouble, when your marriage falls apart, when your children are in a crisis, when you need help with managing your finances. That's what a shepherd is for. He walks with you, and he counsels you, and he teaches you, and he comforts you. Amen? That's what he's supposed to do. Amen? To find good shepherds today are very rare. Shepherd is not just someone who stands behind the pulpit and preaches every Sunday. That's part of it, but that's only a little part of his function. In the olden days, shepherds used to do visitations. You know, I wish we could, but nowadays when people have so much pressure on them and they run around all week, they don't want to be... You know, a shepherd just walks in uninvited and all of that. It's, it's difficult to do that today. But we need to do that more often, I believe. Because it helps you get to know the people you are supposed to be shepherding. The one word, I believe, which goes to the heart of the shepherd's ministry is care. C-A-R-E. Care. He cares for those whom God has given him to shepherd. And his overall ministry is characterized by that one word, which is called caring. I've heard someone say once, I've never been able to forget it, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care for them. Amen? And I believe that Members of the flock need to know that they are cared for, they are valued, they are appreciated. They're not just a number. They need to have that knowledge that their shepherd cares for them. If they're not in church, he inquires. I mean, there was one family that missed two Sundays. I was out there texting them. I thought there was something wrong. I know they're going through some things. They call back and say, Pastor, we just needed a time out. We had such a rough week. That's wonderful, as long as everybody's fine. Amen? You know, in these large churches, people would just go missing for weeks. Nobody, nobody goes after them. Amen? Part of the, of the ministry of the shepherd is to go after that lost sheep. Amen? So this kind of care is expressed in a number of different ways which we will take a closer look. 
two of the primary functions and responsibilities of the shepherd are recorded in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Let's look at that verse together. Acts 20, verse 28. Therefore, Paul is speaking to the elders of the church here. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Notice the word, overseers. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Notice the word that he uses, plural. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. There are two ministry functions here. One, the first one is to oversee. Now, to oversee is to manage. The shepherd is not responsible to meet every need in the congregation, but to see to it that every need is met. Do you understand that? Now, take, for instance, an overseer at a construction site. What does an overseer do? He does not do the work himself, but he makes sure and he oversees and manages those who actually do the work. Am I right? That's what an overseer does. So, he makes sure that the right people are on the site who are qualified to do the various tasks that are required for the construction of the building. The same with the shepherd. He is to train and equip his people in order to meet the needs of the congregation. Do you see that? He oversees that. He manages that. That doesn't mean he does all the work. He makes sure that the work is done by equipping the right people for the right work. And the Bible lists about seven ministries in Romans chapter 12, ministry gifts. Some are called to teach, some are called to show mercy, others are called to prophesy, others are called to give generously. You know, those seven functions or ministries within the local church. And everybody is gifted in a certain way, wired in a certain way, and the shepherd is supposed to know who is who and help them to exercise the gifts. Not just you come here on a Sunday, you sit, you listen to a message, you go home. No, you have a ministry within this house because if you do not exercise your ministry, the house will not fulfill its purpose. Amen? So, the same with the shepherd. He's to train and equip his people in order to meet the needs of the congregation. The second task or responsibility of the shepherd is to feed the flock. He said, shepherd the church of God. To shepherd means to feed. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, is a powerful verse of Scripture concerning the shepherd's ministry. It says, God is speaking to his people, and he says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is powerful. Shepherds are to feed their flocks not with hype and emotionalism, but they are to feed them with what? Knowledge and understanding. How important that statement is. That, that the church of God has shepherds 
who know how to communicate the Word of God in such a way that it imparts knowledge and understanding and wisdom to their flock. If we can successfully do that, the people of God will live lives that are exemplary. Amen? Because they have the knowledge, they have the wisdom, they have the understanding. If you want to go in depth regarding the shepherd's ministry, look at Psalm 23, verses 1 and 4. Psalm 23, verses 1 and 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If shepherds of the flock function as God ordained them to function, I believe we will have congregations that are restored in every sphere of life, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. That's the ministry of the shepherd. He restores my soul. How? By leading me in the paths of righteousness. Two additional functions of the shepherd is to rule and to teach to rule and to teach according to 1 Timothy 5.17. Let's look at that verse together. Let the elders who rule well, notice the, the, the plural word again. Doesn't it? Let the pastor, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The word rule to many people in the world is a dirty word. But nevertheless, it's in the Bible. To rule means to govern. People don't want to be governed today. Even in the church. Who are you? Tell me what to do. Hello? But one of the... If the shepherd cares for you... He's going to exercise some form of government, a righteous government, a just and merciful government. Amen? And not be afraid to speak to you about certain things when you need. Somebody needs to speak the Word of God to you. To rule means to govern. To govern means to exercise a directing influence over the flock. And that's what the Scriptures teach. Amen? We've allowed so much of the world's culture to filter into the church that we consider today as normal Christianity, but it's not. God has a rule. God has a standard. And what we have allowed many times is our experience to form our theology rather than allowing the Word of God and rise up to that experience of the Word of God. It says we are to govern and exercise influence over the flock. They represent God's government to the people they shepherd. And Peter summarizes the ministry of the shepherd as follows. He puts it so well. Notice what Peter says. 1 Peter 5, 1 verses 4. The elders, is that plural word again? 
the elders. We need to have a, a shift in our, in our way of thinking. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving. They are supposed to serve. they servants. Their function is to serve. How? As overseers. Amen? Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you. In other words, function like a dictator. Are you with me? But being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That is the ministry of the shepherd, of the overseer, in a nutshell. You are to exercise your ministry in a loving, righteous way. Not as lord over the flock, but as a servant, serving them with your gifts and talents. Amen? They are also responsible for teaching God's people the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. They don't have to be gifted personalities. Amen? But they do need to have a thorough grasp of the basic principles of the Christian faith. What do I mean by that? They need to know how to do water baptism and how to explain water baptism. Why? When? They need to understand and communicate the doctrine of repentance, faith, listed in Hebrews chapter 6. They need to know how to prepare couples who are planning to get married and how to conduct a funeral service. All of those are the functions. They need to know. As I said, they don't have to be really gifted personalities or puppeteers, but they need to have a thorough grasp of these basic fundamentals of the Christian faith and be able to communicate them to the flock. Two more ministry functions are listed in Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Shepherds of the flock are responsible to bring the now word to the congregations they shepherd. What do I mean by that? This has to do with the direction the flock needs to go. In other words, what is God saying to us as a fellowship right now, this time, this season? What is He leading us to do? Are we to go on a fast? Is He calling us to pray more? Is He leading us to focus on evangelizing our community? Is He calling us to a further dedication and consecration? All of those things are a now word. It's a, it's a rhema word for each specific congregation. The sixth responsibility, according to the verse that we just read, is to be an example of faith to the flock. The life of the shepherd is to be exemplary. In other words, shepherds are to be admirable, 
honorable and blameless. This is an awesome responsibility for those who shepherd the flock. They are to live and walk in such a way as to earn the respect of the flocks they shepherd. You know, if you don't respect your shepherd, you're not going to listen to him. You're not going to follow him. Am I right? Are you with me? You need to respect them. And, but to respect, uh, respect is earned. Amen? It's not just given. So that's why they need to be people who are honorable, above reproach, blameless. The last responsibility is recorded in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Shepherds ought to watch in prayer over the flock. They watch, he says, over your souls. That's a spiritual watching. Bible calls those in the Old Covenant watchmen. They watch. And when they see the danger coming, they warn. Amen? And when you are in prayer about a certain person, I've known this by experience, God will let you know what goes on in that person's life. Are you with me? I've, I've had many experiences where I'm overseas, miles away, and God would come in a dream and show me certain things about a certain member of the flock. Why? So that I can say, God shows me. No, so that I can pray. And the first thing we need to do as shepherds is pray. Don't run and talk to them about it. Pray. And if God shows you to do something, do something about it. Most times, the reason why God shows us things is so that we can pray for the people we are walking with. And shepherds exercise that responsibility. They watch over the souls of the flock. Why? Because one day, I believe every shepherd that's called of God will give an account for every soul that was committed to the trust. What an awesome responsibility. Amen. That frightens me. That's why Paul says, my hands are clean from the blood of all of you because I did not restrain myself from preaching to you the whole counsel of God. That's an awesome, awesome responsibility. But if God calls you into that ministry, He gives you the grace also to be able to do it. That sums up the function or the, the responsibility of the shepherds towards the flock. Now we're going to look at the responsibilities of the sheep towards their shepherds. Two of those responsibilities are listed in Hebrews 13:7. We've just looked at those. Let's look at it again. Hebrews 13, verse 7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. The first is to remember. Your responsibility is to remember those who shepherd you, who exercise godly government over you. And the second is to imitate. 
follow their example. What does it mean to remember? Be mindful of their ministry. Recognize. Appreciate. Be reminded of the work they do. Hello? And the best way to do this is to remember them in your prayers. I mean, that's the first place that you remember them before God. You lift them up. You pray for them regularly. And I believe that congregations who pray for the leaders prosper and grow spiritually. Congregations who criticize their leaders find themselves under judgment. Hello? There are no perfect pastors. There are no perfect congregations. Amen? The best way to do this, of course, as I said, is to remember them. The second responsibility is to imitate and follow their example of faith. Paul said to the flock, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Follow their example. Is your shepherd a man of faith? Follow his example. Is your shepherd a, a person of generosity? Follow his example. Is your shepherd a man of prayer? Follow his example. Imitate his faith. That's what the Word is talking about here. If he's a man of the Word, follow his example. Two more responsibilities are recorded in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Submission is an inward attitude of the heart. Two responsibilities here. Submit and obey. Submission is an attitude. Obedience is an outward action. Amen? A person can be obedient, yet not submissive. You know that. We need to be both, submissive and obedient. Isaiah says it this way, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's Isaiah 119. A person who is willing is submissive. Amen? The willing and the obedient get to eat the good of the land, but the rebellious live in famine. It's not profitable for you to be rebellious and unsubmissive. As someone expressed it this way, when the phone rings and you see the name of the person there, do you go, hallelujah? <laughs> you answer, or do you say, oh. <laughs> oh, it's him again. <laughs> you know, and that's what the Scripture says. <laughs> they may do so with what? With joy. Praise God. All right. Finally, there are two more responsibilities for the flock, and they are recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. To honor means to highly esteem and respect. That's one of the responsibilities of the flock. 
means to highly esteem and respect your shepherds. The Greek word for honor is called timi, which means value. You are to value your shepherds. Amen? So when Scripture says give them double honor, what does it mean? Well, the Scripture is explanatory. It says double the financial support, especially those who labor in the Word and doctrine. You are to honor them financially. Honor is not just an empty word. It carries substance. Whenever you see honor in the Old and the New Testaments, it is always accompanied by substance. Congregations, according to the Word of God, are responsible to make sure that their shepherds are well remunerated financially. Now, one of the main problems that I find as I travel, or the most common one, is that churches, they struggle to support their pastors. Now, of course, there is a number of reasons for that. But the one common reason that I find is when congregations are holding back on their giving. Now, it's not so in this congregation, but wherever I travel, this is one of the most common problems. They're holding back on their giving. You see, God ordained in the Scriptures that first fruits and tithes are set apart for those who are set apart for the ministry. And that's why in this house we have a value or a principle. We do not take your tithe and fix the building. It's unscriptural to do that. That's offerings. Amen? But the tithe or the first fruits are set aside for those who shepherd, those who are called into the full-time ministry. That's what God said in His Word. Amen? This is not some scheme that pastors dreamed up or ministers of the gospel have come up with. This is God's ordinance. You want to see where it's written? Who can tell me where it's written? Let's see if you know your Bible. Don't swallow everything you hear. You've got to search the Bible yourself. Search the Scriptures. How do you know I'm telling you the truth? Nobody knows where it is. No. Where it says, this is the ordinance of God, this is what God has commanded. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. Put it up there, please, Siobhan. Listen to what it says. Even so the Lord has commanded. What has He commanded? And this is not Old Testament, this is a New Testament that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. What does that mean? Where do you live off from? If you're a teacher, you live from your teaching, are you not? If you're a doctor, you live from your doctorate. If you're a, an accountant, you live from your accountancy. But I'm a preacher of the gospel. And the Word says that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. You know, when I got born again many years ago, 
I started praying about this, you know, should I support my pastor? You know, we had, a, we had a business with my wife that we ran. I always paid my tithe and my offering, but I wanted to do something extra for my pastor. So I was thinking and, and, and contemplating, should I put a table just specifically of getting things on that table and the profits that I make from the table I would give it to my pastor. But I wasn't sure, so I started praying about it. This is the first time the Lord gave me this, this verse of Scripture, that He showed me that I was on the right track. He said, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Amen? Praise God. Now, if someone is doing a good job, what basically the Scripture says, pay him well. Concerning this, Paul says the following as we close. Listen to what the New Testament says, not the Old Testament, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's all about this. There's a whole chapter speaking about this. Chapter 9, verse 7 through to 11. Whoever goes to war at his own expense... Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Do you see that? This is a two-way responsibility, and we've taken time to, to, to underline those responsibilities are. As we fulfill our responsibilities towards you, and you fulfill your responsibilities towards your shepherds, we have a wonderful relationship. God is able to bless us because we are obedient to the Word of God. Now, in conclusion, let me say this. There are no perfect shepherds. So if you're looking for one who is perfect, you've come to the wrong place. You won't find one. There is not one available. And there are no perfect sheep. Mind you, some of them are goats. They butt. (laughs) Some of them bite too. (laughs) But there are no perfect sheep, folks. We are all on a journey. Amen? We are on a journey, a destination, We are growing, we are maturing, and we are moving forward. Amen? Amen. On this journey of faith that God has called us together, we need to make room for one another. What do I mean by that? We need to be gracious and compassionate to each other. Amen? Forgiving, long-suffering, bearing with one another, the Bible says. 
In Ephesians 4, 1, 3 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And in verse 32 says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we need to make room for one another. Amen? Make room for mistakes. Be gracious. Be merciful. And endeavor to keep our part of the responsibilities. Amen? Did you learn something out of this teaching today? So you know what a shepherd is. You know what he's supposed to do. Amen? And you know what your responsibilities is. Amen? Did you learn something, Michael? <laughs> and you too, Helen. And you too, Stephen. And you too, Nicole. You may say, but they're too young to shepherd us. Well, when I started the ministry, I was 30 years of age. I didn't know much. I made many mistakes, but the Lord was gracious to me. And you need to be gracious to them as well. And after all, I'm not leaving them on their own. I'm here. We know. Papa is here. <laughs> so, let's stand and pray. <coughs> Commit what we learned to the Lord. And, and, um, and endeavor to walk in it. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the teaching of your word. And we thank you for giving us understanding and knowledge concerning the shepherd, the ministry of the shepherd, the functions of the shepherds, as well as teaching us of our responsibilities towards you and toward those who exercise oversight and shepherding in our lives. Father, we thank you for those men and women who have contributed who have brought us, spiritually speaking, imparted to us, fed us, comforted us, strengthened us, prayed for us all these years. We thank you and we value those men and women and we honor them, Lord, and we thank you for each and every one of them. And Father, we are privileged to walk among such wonderful people, Thank you for giving us a congregation who loves you, loves your word, and has great respect for their shepherds. Thank you, Lord. We appreciate you, and we thank you for these wonderful gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.